Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Hello, hello, everyone. We are here again for another episode, and I am so excited about this one. We have a super special episode for you today. We are so fortunate to have so many amazing podcast listeners like yourself, and one of them wrote into us after our Shalon episode. So last week's episode and this episode are kind of companion pieces, or at least they both deal with mainly Shalon. And while we had the timeline and we're kind of breaking down all of the big moments of Shalon's character arc, we got a message from Kaylee who wrote in, who is interested in talking about real-world DID, as well as Shallan's system and the way that her character is developing and could develop in the future. We found this really, really fascinating, and so we wanted to make it in an entire episode. It may work better if you have listened to the last one, so do so if you have not already. But if you just want to learn about DID, I think this will be a wonderful little slice of the Cosmere conversation portfolio. Yeah, I think this was super helpful to me in like trying to make sense of Shalon's character. So hopefully it will help our listeners as well. And then speaking of listeners, we are going to start with some other listener feedback from our last episode. Approximately 1 million people (laughs) wrote in to tell us that per word of Brandon, Creations Bren are the secondary spren of the cryptics. So yes, we heard you. Thank you for letting us know. <laughs> they also wrote in to tell us things like Glory Spren are Bond Smith's secondary spren and Logic Spren are the Else Callers secondary spren. I so- think I knew Logic Spren, but I didn't think of Glory Spren. It's like obvious once you say it, but I'm glad someone mentioned it. Everyone is so helpful on the things that they can be so helpful on. (laughs) Another one of our listeners, Jordan D., brought up the possibility that Kaladin doesn't hear the scream associated with holding a shard blade when he takes Shallan's blade in the chasms because he is a broken radiant at that point. Syl is gone. He's made the conflicting decision that challenged his oath. He can't use Stormlight. So it is possible that he basically is a normie who can hold a shard blade, even if it's dead, without hearing the screams. Yeah, I thought that was a really good point from Jordan. Unhelpful in the sense that it puts more uh, confusion into that particular moment that we kind of thought maybe we had a good handle on. (laughs) But I'm here for the gray area, so... Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, I definitely like that concept that even when we're studying it, even when we are thinking that we have everything explained, there's still a little bit of wiggle room where new information could get in. 
And then I wanted to give big props to Courtney, who commented, bringing up the uncomfortable question of why Shalon's spirit web is broken enough at such a young age in order to bond a spren. This obviously brings up some, like I said, uncomfortable questions about young childhood trauma and things we know unfortunately happened to children. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in our interview with Kaylee, actually. And I want to preface this interview with a soft trigger warning. I don't think that we dwell on any of the trauma, but because for, I guess, the first time, we are focusing more on real world stuff than fictional stuff. I at least want to make everyone aware that we are talking with a person who is really diagnosed with DID about their real issues and how they experience the world, as well as how many people that they interact with are experiencing this very unique disorder. If you like this episode, specifically the kind of interview format, make sure to let us know, reach out on Patreon, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, all the possible things. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Kaylee from the Ivory System about Shalon and real-world DID. We are here speaking with Kaylee to get some more information about DID, or Dissociative Identity Disorder, in IRL, the real world, and how that can relate to Shalon's character. We're hoping that this will help us make better speculations about (laughs) Shalon's character and storyline and understand the real people in the world around us a little bit better and so that we can be more compassionate people. Kaylee has been diagnosed with DID, and she has a master's degree focused in trauma-informed education. So she is the perfect person for us to be talking with today, and we are so happy to have her here. Hi, Kaylee. Thanks for being here. Hi, guys. I am very excited to have the opportunity to talk about it. It was so awesome for you to reach out and just like volunteer to provide more info in the very kind way that you did. (laughs) I was pretty sure we were going to get some hate mail after that episode. (laughs) I live on the hate. That's that's what the hate is for. Because, you know, we just we don't know. And we love to learn. So I'm I'm so glad to have this conversation. Exactly. It's a great opportunity for everyone to learn more and to better understand how our fantasy characters that we like and love and follow are also reflections of real people and real issues. And that's always what kind of like grounds fantasy is that it's still about the characters. And something that Brandon Sanderson does so well, drawing on real life experiences. And in that sort of vein, we would love to hear more about you and your personal relationship with the Stormlight Archive and specifically Shalon's character. Absolutely. So I actually started reading Stormlight before I was ever diagnosed. I I recognized as I read um, a whole lot of like relating. I related so hard to, to a lot of things Kaladin felt and talked about. And then especially as Shalon started talking about kind of the like memory lapses and uh-huh. the childhood stuff, I would feel like, man, that just really hit the spot with me. But I don't know why. <laughs> um, 
And it was really fascinating. But one of the reasons that I really love the Stormlight Archive, other than that it's written incredibly well and incredibly considerate. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Brandon Sanderson does his research and yes. it's clear that he it's clear that he has compassion for real world people. And I like the word you used. I like the word reflection because I started to see a reflection of myself in Shalon's character, which for me, you know, kind of on the road to diagnosis as I got closer and closer to realizing and kind of finding those things in myself was really, really nice to have representation in a character who is loved and supported through all of the stuff and the trauma mm-hmm. and the hard Typically DID, and I mean, for me too, before I like ever learned about it in psychology, it was a horror trope. Like it was in, it was in crime shows. It was in scary movies. And like, (laughs) it was typically like a comedic bit or a scary monster thing. Yeah. So having Shalon as an example of a a person, like a person who, uh, yeah, who, who was hurting a lot, but still a person (laughs) right Um, and like still capable you know because i I think on the uh, another one of the sort of stereotypes that gets put out there is the victim right where they're like completely Mm -hmm. unable to like function in the world or contribute yes right and like she still has so much richness and capability to her you know that her well I guess she hasn't really been diagnosed since they don't yeah. have mental health on Rashad. They need some more diagnosis. <laughs> they really do. But that aspect of her is just one part of the bigger person. Yes. Um, and I've, I've been like thinking on kind of a new philosophy lately about how pain, I think pain and trauma and joy and like capacity are two sides of the same coin. Yes. Like, yeah. The reason Shalon is as strong as she is and you, this goes for all the characters. Like the reason they are as strong and resilient and compassionate as they are is because they've been through shit. Yeah. Like the, the situations have, have hardened them um, into these really, really incredible characters, incredible people. And the more that I work with my own therapy and or my own therapist and work on my own stuff, as well as working with my students, I see the same thing. Yeah. Like the reason that their strengths are so incredible and like, exciting is because they're drawing from their pain and the hard things yeah Um, yeah maybe you can tell me if this is correct someone at one point told me that in uh in vocal production when you stretch one part of your range so like if you're working on getting higher range your lower range will also expand is that correct yeah. So, so a th- there's a thing called stretch weakness. And that's typically like, <laughs> if you only work your, your triceps, then your biceps will be really weak. Uh-huh. You got to work both, but working and working in them both helps both at the same time. Like yeah. um, a good example. So like working your high range will help your low range uh-huh. because you're working the whole yeah. of yeah. the thing instead of, and your voice is a muscle. So that's why yeah. it works like that. It's paired. I muscle. think about that all so. the time in terms of just like life and emotions, as you were just talking about of like, when we are in the low places, we are also developing our capacity for the high places. Ooh, good language. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to definitely be using that. <laughs> 
Okay, let's dive into some quick definitions for some terminology that we may not have heard of, that our audience may not have heard of, um, that we use when discussing DID. Absolutely. Um, So, and just a little disclaimer I want to throw out there before we dive in is like, I am not a licensed therapist or psychologist. All of the things I share today are influenced by my own lived experiences and interactions with other systems. My perspective is certainly not inclusive of everyone's experience, and I'm still learning. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, having a Cosmere awareness is actually kind of helpful in (laughs) (laughs) explaining DID because people... Uh, people who have DID experienced a splintering or like a fragmentation splitting of um, <laughs> of their identity rather than like kind of a growth of random personalities that are like, where gotcha. did you come from? Yeah. Which, I th- yeah, we'll, we'll probably talk about later. Um, and another way to explain it is like light through a prism. So if you got one white mm. light and then it hits a prism, which would represent trauma, uh, like childhood trauma then the light splits into different colors. Um, and that's a good way to like kind of explain how how that works. I actually really love that um, because of what we saw from Rhythm of War, the prisms being used actually oh yeah. and the different I types know. of prisms. It all ties together. <laughs> Everything is the cosmic. <laughs> Yeah, very, very cool. So some other words that you'll probably hear most commonly are alter. Um, Alter is talking about different personalities. Um, So like there's lots of different names that people can use. Um, System is a name for like all of the alters together and people can have system names. So um, my system name is Ivory. Um, not related to the ivory in Stormlight. <laughs> but um, like if you wanted to refer to me and everyone else in my system, you could say ivory. And so alters within a system are the different personalities or different identities. Um, Would and you then mind if we alter- just use, sorry, oh, yeah. if we just use the language for Shallan, like for example, Veil and Radiant would be the clear alters for Shallan? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. And then I guess, well, Shalon refers to it as the three. Would be the Would system. that like be her system name? Totally. Actually, okay. yeah, that's a really good, that's totally cool. Oh my gosh. Perfect. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> so alters within the system have different roles. Um, and again, we might talk about this later. So when systems split, um, it's a coping mechanism for trauma, right? So trauma happens and then the brain is like, you know what? I can't deal with this, but I can create someone who can. Um, And very similar, like Shalon has Veil to deal with her, you know, with some situations and Radiant to deal with others. So some of those alter roles, the host is definitely the main one that you'll hear about. So a host of a system is whoever's in the front or out, you know, like in the world. So typically facing would be yes yeah exactly would be the the host of the system just whoever's out the most okay then there are littles which is just kind of like an umbrella term for alters aged uh like 10 and younger oh or however just like kids Mm -hmm. kid alters and then another one that you'll probably hear pretty often is a protector and protectors roles are to like defend protect then that that can sometimes be like uh, kind of misled just like anyone protecting themselves yeah. mm-hmm. can sometimes like lie or hurt other people to protect themselves yeah. um sometimes alters who are protectors like veil and radiant yeah, I, yeah I, I was gonna say i would call them both protectors yeah they both um, kind of yeah. serve protective roles for shalon yeah yeah exactly 
And then system, I already kind of talked about. You might hear someone say plural system versus like a singlet. A singlet is just a person oh. that doesn't have DID. Oh, um, a normal like one okay. identity, one personality. <laughs> so plural, plural system, kind of same thing. Splitting is splintering, splitting, fragmenting. That is all words to say that a you know a personality broke off or split, right? Yeah. yeah. The next two, the last two things that the words that I'll mention are kind of like, they they get confused with each other a lot. And that's fusing and integration. Ooh, okay. yeah. Um, talk more about this. So integration is, is like the opposite of dissociation. Dissociation means uh-huh. like getting further apart, mm-hmm. like less identifying with one another. Integration is the opposite where you start identifying with one another again. You like, that doesn't mean that you become part of the same, like, if we're using the prism metaphor, like, that doesn't mean that you, like, reabsorb into the, oh. the main light stream. That doesn't mean that you, like, uh-huh. uh, merge yeah. <laughs> with another. Fusing is what people use, is the word people use when you, like, merge um, okay. into either a new part or back into, like, if you, if you final fusion is the word that people use who choose and, you know, systems who choose to work towards final fusion. Their goal is to have one personality and become kind of like a a singlet, a a person with one identity. Okay. So Um, integration is a healing technique though. Got it. Like, Oh, that's what I wanted to ask about is like, what did, in your opinion, what did Shalon experience with what we called the unveiling, but that integration (laughs) of veil or was it a fusing of veil at the end of a rhythm of war? What, category would you say that would fall into so um the integrate and i it's hard because the word integration could be used right (laughs) but um i think that veil and shallan and radiant were integrating with one another throughout the whole book as they talked to one another as they Uh worked together as they got to know each other and trusted each other Mm -hmm. the fusing at the end of rhythm of war when when shallan like kind of had like has access to those memories yes. again yeah. Yeah. and Vale goes away. Mm-hmm. That's fusing. Okay. That's them coming back together. Okay. Great. That I'm is, so glad we yeah, have that language, terminology now. Exactly. It's so helpful to kind of understand because definitely for Shalon, we see all of these things that you're talking about. Her yeah. splintering, the first one we know of, not necessarily the first one that we will eventually know, but yes. the first one we know of right. <laughs> uh, is that moment where there's a splinter created around the trauma of her killing her mother and her mother's death. Wouldn't you agree? Are you just saying that's the first trauma we know of? Yeah, the first one that would have, because from that we get Veil. And that's, so that's a clear splintering, right? No, we talked about this last episode. Veil is, I don't think, I personally don't think that Veil is created in that moment. Veil's created later in Words of Radiance. That's my opinion. Got it. So it's the... But the trauma is the trigger. And I guess that's what I wanted to like highlight is normally there's a splinter, a splintering associated oh, with I guess that's a good trauma. question. What would you say, yes. Kaylee? Yeah. So typically, and this is to my understanding and in my yeah. experience, splinterings or, or splitting happens because a trauma or a danger is perceived that like no one in the system can, thinks they can handle mm-hmm. or the brain is like, 
we don't have anybody adept enough to handle this. Here's someone that we can create and figure out how they can. So I would assume that like that her system was created. The other thing that I can kind of explain is that DID, like the diagnosis requires trauma before the age of seven ish um, because it's, you have to have had a traumatic experience where your brain chose to cope by, you know, splitting before the personality fully integrates, which is around the age of seven. um, That's a really interesting point too, because someone in our Facebook group brought this up as well, um, commented about this episode and just basically said, hey, no one has mentioned this, but Shalon bonded a spren, which like at a very young age, meaning that her spirit would, would have needed to be pretty significantly cracked at a pretty young age. And like, we know the kinds of traumas that often happen to very young children and like, no one is talking about this. And I think that uh, what you just said speaks directly to that. Shalon didn't even kill her mother until she was 11. Yeah. And we know that right. she bonded the spren well before, before that. that. And so there yes. must yeah. be some other and, trauma. Yeah. A, an original trauma yes. as well that we yeah. don't know about yet from the books. Yeah. And that, you know, that's kind of under the assumption of if Brandon like knew about that and like how that was how the diagnosis worked and, yeah, I mean, I kind of assume because he's Brandon, he does, and that's how he worked it in. But um, yeah, he's yeah. Um, he he's spoken quite a bit about uh, the extensive research that he's done on yeah. DID. So I I wouldn't be surprised if he did know all of this. He's such a. But I think for the fans, that is like an interesting yeah thing to keep in mind yeah. is that in real life, the diagnosis requires or one of the prerequisites is trauma before the age of seven and we have not seen trauma before the age of seven for shalon right. yet but we do have in book evidence that there is probably something, something. yeah exactly <laughs> is right. this in any way related to uh in our last episode we mentioned that perhaps the shalon that we have been seeing is not the OG Shalon, but that the quote unquote sad ball Shalon, as we <laughs> called her, uh, is maybe the OG Shalon. Do you think those yes. things are like related in any way? Yeah, I guess this question of like, is Shalon an altar or the yeah. host? Just to continue the language. Right. So, and this is this is the interesting thing. So the host of the system is um, whoever's out in front or whoever interacts with the world the most, not necessarily the oh. original. And so the actually, host could change from time to time. It sure can. <laughs> and um, and that and that also depends on like sometimes uh, this hasn't happened to me, but I, I know a system who had like her host and then another altar a protector ended up fusing and so the host like became a a version of both of them that had Mm -hmm. both their memories and had traits of both of them and so she now goes by a different name and that that altar is now the host and then as far as the like who's the real shalon where you know the sad ball shalon could be like the like original trauma holder so mm-hmm. like oftentimes and that's that's another thing trauma holders uh, hold trauma <laughs> <laughs> um so they are alters who carry the really heavy yeah. hard hard things and um that could be what sad ball shalon 
is. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love that we're just rolling with this. With this I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in my own experience, I like me, Kaylee, the memories I hold, I'm not the original. I'm not the one that mm-hmm. experienced the trauma that mm-hmm. created the DID. Um, one of my littles, one of my kid alters is. And in my case, like that, that child alter stayed that age. Um, mm-hmm. She's still three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I don't know um, how that works for everyone. There's lots of situations and different yeah, things no, that that's, I think that's really interesting insight that this sad ball shalon is the trauma holder. And like, we may not find out what her original trauma is until we see more of Sad Balshalon. Yeah, and the idea that she may have not advanced past that stage where these other alters came in and that there might not be a grown-up version of the original mm, Shalon. Mm-hmm. It's just these alters now. One of the things we talked about in the recent episode was this concept that for Shalon, suppressing or repressing her truths and her experiences may be the equivalent to Kaladin breaking an oath, or at least how those things might not appear the same, because it seems a lot like Shallan is going one and a half steps forward and then one step back with her oaths. And so is it really breaking and making and taking and like, (laughs) or is it just different for the light weavers? And something that you mentioned is that the, there can be a difference between consciously avoiding something or suppressing something and other times when she dissociates involuntarily. And I'd love to hear your comments and thoughts on that. Yes, absolutely. So the the idea and and you talked about this in the last episode. The Windrunners are like this very like organized, rigorous, rigid uh kind of militaristic organization and the Lightweavers are not. And so I think that it's it's a very valid point to point out the differences between like what breaking an oath for a Windrunner might be like might have similar outcomes to uh you know, uh, suppressing a truth mm-hmm. for a lightweaver. Um, then the distinction distinction I wanted to make was that like Kaladin breaking an oath is like a very conscious choice that he made. Yeah. Um, and the the repressing, like you were talking about, like sometimes Shalon is like, no, I don't want to remember. I can't do that right now. Yeah. And like shoves it away and avoids it. And sometimes like the whole like staring off into the distance for whoever knows how long. Right. Um, And that is something that like you can't choose when that happens necessarily. And sometimes there's just blank spots, at least for me um, and lots of the, you know, systems I've interacted with, like the dissociation part of dissociative identity disorder is that like blanking out kind of like. I don't hold all the memories that I mm-hmm. have experienced over my life. And so until I integrate more fully with the other altars that hold things, I like, I know I still have memories that I can't, I can't access. And if someone um, sometimes like I've had, I've had experiences where my mom or my brothers will say like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You remember that family that we used to hang out with and no memory. And oh it's just gosh. like, I don't yeah. remember and they have stories about like oh my gosh you babysat their kids <laughs> like and i just don't remember other times i've had things happen where someone will mention 
like and trigger something Mm -hmm. and I will just completely like dissociate get really confused like and yeah so um, yeah we see that happen with Shalon quite a bit it does seem to be like uh (laughs) someone mentioned something or something like that happens and she blanks out or tries to dig and it yeah 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 yeah, what I found interesting is that Kaladin actually experiences some of that dissociation in Rhythm of War as well and we don't necessarily see it in his earlier books or in the earlier books from him but he has moments I think primarily when he's like locked away Mm -hmm. in the tower and kind of in that fighting stage where he comes to or he comes back and he's like how long was I just staring off and really I don't remember that it's obviously worked into the except he like freezes in battle a few times that is like yes very clear yeah. and evident but i think there's also moments when he's like shallan of just like thought 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 or you know mm-hmm. sentence 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 pause yeah. and then he just snaps to another moment hmm. and i think what's interesting yeah. is that obviously both of these characters are dealing with severe trauma and it would be very brandon esque to like show you one kind of trauma in Kaladin that maybe people are more familiar with, and then one kind of trauma with Shallan that people are probably less familiar with, but then show how the Kaladin character <laughs> is experiencing the trauma actually in a similar way to the character that you hadn't seen before. It just seems like a Brandon thing yeah, to do. Yeah, that's interesting. Absolutely. And one of the cool things about that too is that everyone experiences dissociation on some level yes. all the time. Like. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I feel like I make this comparison sometimes when we're talking about Shalon and I like am always worried that maybe it's offensive. <laughs> but I think that that's true. Dissociation happens to literally everyone. Mm-hmm. Like everyone experiences it to some degree. A good example is if you're like driving home from work and you get home and you're like, wait, oh, yeah. I don't remember yeah. Getting home yeah. the way I did, but I obviously <laughs> did. Um, and so dissociative identity disorder is disorder dissociation. It happens frequent. And again, this is a criteria of diagnosis. The dissociation interferes with normal life mm-hmm. functioning. So dissociation is a thing that happens to everyone. Yeah. Um, awesome. So yeah, yeah. I love, I just love being able to give people like a, a foothold into understanding the yeah Um, you know the disease and having it kind of be like look we all sort of know what this is like and then we can use our imaginations and our resources to sort of extrapolate out what did might be like yeah and so one of the reasons that that is the way it is um with so many things is because trauma is just our brain responding to oh my gosh we're in danger oh my Mm. gosh we're in danger we're in danger we're in danger um and like PTSD like Kaladin has is like his brain is on danger mode. It's like survival mode all the time. He's always afraid. And, you know, war vets that come home with PTSD, uh, understandably are always on guard, always on high alert. And that is really exhausting for a body and a brain and a heart. And so your, you know, your system, your body, um, decides, okay, here's how we're going to cope with this because yeah. we can't just do this all the time. Right. Yeah. So for Kaladin, it's, it's kind of the depressive, like, I can't do this anymore. What am I living for? And for Shalon, it's the kind of splitting up. Is there anything we didn't 
ask about that you feel is worth mentioning or that you wanted to cover when it comes to either our fantasy characters or DID in real life? I feel like not that, not that comes to mind right now. I like I was really impressed and like it was really cool for me that like a podcast that I listened to all the time took the time to like look into this character and look into what DID is and take, you know, take the energy that it took to research it a little bit and try to understand. Um, and so just the fact that you like wanted to talk about it and learn more is so cool and um, kind of goes to show like <laughs> how the, the Sanderson fan base is all kind of a, I don't know. I really, really like uh, being part of this community. <laughs> it yeah. is a so, great community and just like of people yeah. who are intelligent and interested and empathetic. I feel like, Anytime that you are reading any piece of literature, there's some like the key thing that is necessary to be a good reader is empathy because you have to be able to connect with those characters that are literally just like squiggly lines on a page. But for <laughs> you and me, they're Kaladin and Shallan or they're Harry, Ron and Hermione or they're Gandalf and Frodo and Sam. It's like all of these characters have so much baggage. Just me saying those names triggered people <laughs> out there. They're all like yeah. having flashes of whatever feelings and empathetic feelings that they have associated with those fictional characters. But it's also, of course, based on the fact that we have those relationships in our real life or we can have yeah. that empathy in our real life. Well, and like the the power of art and fictional mediums and creation to not only entertain but to forge connections both like in this way of us like talking right now and mm -hmm. um as we said at the top of the episode like helping us be better humans in the world like because of this yeah. book <laughs> i love that so much and i i was gonna say like one of the reasons that i think we probably all love these books is because it brings us together mm -hmm. yeah. um brings us closer to like closer to healing i think in a lot of ways yep just got to keep taking that next step tying it all together in a bow <laughs> i like that tyler i'm here for it yeah <laughs> let's talk about something only tangentially related <laughs> Because you also wrote us in with a theory from our Nahal Bond episode in that uh, possibly because people have to be somehow broken in order to have a spren bond, that this is sort of a new version of the sickness magic that used to exist on Ashen. Do you want to talk a little um, bit more about that? So... <laughs> I wrote that in like as uh like as the episode ended, I was like, I'm a genius. <laughs> I just like I just thought of this. Oh my gosh. And like I have a couple of theories like that I've always kind of been stewing on. And this one kind of uh entered my brain and I thought it was so good. And then as I kind of like looked into it a little more, I'm not sure if that would make sense, but I thought it was I interesting. Like I think that's such because a good thought. they came from Ashen. Yeah. Right. They came from Ashen. And then this, like, all of our main characters who bond with Spren have mental illnesses. And so I was like, maybe this is the mental illness version. But it's not because the superpower, or, you know, the magic doesn't depend on their illness. And you that's can't true. just, like, that's get true. better. So 
I feel kind of dumb about that one, but I do have a theory that I think is good. <laughs> I, first yeah, of all, I, I thought it was a really good thought, so don't say it was dumb. I think it's great because <laughs> I love the concept, obviously, ashen microorganisms, they're everywhere. But I love the possibility that if we're just saying our radiance now have to be broken in order to form that spren bond, then maybe the thing that was doing the breaking on Ashen were the microorganisms, the quote-unquote sickness, just like a, oh. a the way a microorganism, a bacteria or virus can break us, infect us. Yeah. Like maybe that's what they were doing to the people. And it was like, maybe it started out as a sickness and then they realized there was some strength or some magic behind it. But I don't. I think that's a great theory that we should just keep in. Obviously, we know very little about Ashen, but yeah. I'm gonna keep that in the back pocket, and we'll toss it out one day in the future. Yeah. But what's your other yeah. secondary theory? So this one, I've actually, I just keep coming back to, um, and it has to do with Stormlight. So Ash, the Herald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things we know about the Heralds are that they're kind of, they're pretty much kind of similar to Vasher, right? Yeah. yeah. And so we also know that on Roshar or in the Rosharian system, like the Spren are ideas that like solidified into magic. So we know that's how the magic system works there or some facet of it. So I was like, maybe Ash is destroying all the depictions of herself as an elaborate form of suicide. Because if people stop remembering her, if people stop worshiping her, then maybe she can stop, like actually like make it all end. Mm, I was like- That's fascinating. (laughs) That like, that's the one that I'm like, I'll go, I'll go all the way home on. (laughs) Love (laughs) that. Yeah, absolutely love it. And might be- a key, hopefully not, I want to see more of Ash, but like this Ashar guy, he can, he can get out of here. So maybe we can figure out someone. <laughs> Take out um, all the Ashar I statues. I want to know <laughs> what's yeah. happening with him. <laughs> no, I love that because it is such a reminder of what we got from Kalek in Rhythm of War about how the heralds in their current state are far more like Spren that have mm-hmm. kept around too long. Yes. Yes, and yes, so yes, yes. the spren as manifestations of the thought, Ash trying to get rid of that thought, which would then make the manifestation go away. A little bit about like how that would affect them if they were once a person, but they're still around and people are thinking about them in you know this like religious context, and like does that actually change who you are? I wondered. I've totally wondered if they've gotten more powerful. Mm-hmm. because oh. people assume because uh-huh. you know like a story will go from like i caught a fish this big and yeah, yeah. Bigger, and bigger, <laughs> and bigger it goes so i'm wondering if they're somehow getting more powerful i don't know yeah. but i've thought a lot about the same kind of like how that would work cool. super interesting love both of those theories and when they are proven true you will have <laughs> now a record that you got there first. you thought of it first that's true i'm i'm here and saying it <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us, Kaylee. And again, just for like reaching out and being willing to to talk and to share a little bit of your story and your knowledge. We so appreciate it. It was really lovely. And just thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Yeah, this was really awesome. What a great conversation. First of all, just being able to talk to other Cosmere fans and have Cosmere conversations is why we started this podcast. And it's just so helpful to be able to talk to people with knowledge different than ours and 
got some more info. One of the most significant things that I took away from this interview with Kaylee is the concept of system, host, and altar, and a way of communicating about people who are dealing with DID. I hope that we all can maybe use this language going forward, or at least when we use it, you will better understand what we are talking about. Because when it comes to Shalon, there's so many questions and so much confusion that I feel like getting a little bit better with our language will help. Yeah, having language that's more suited to talking about Shalon's situation is very helpful towards conceptualizing it. I especially love the added insight of like now thinking about who the host of Shalon's system is at different points, because I feel like it definitely changes. There are, you know, especially in Rhythm of War, there's that point where Shalon is basically not coming out at all. Mm -hmm. And like Vale and Radiant are the only ones doing anything. And so I like I would say at that point, the host of the system is either, changed. Yeah, absolutely. It's either Radiant or Veil. It's definitely not Shalon yeah, at that point. Which is just fascinating. And then the concept that there is altars that step in to take over for childhood trauma. And there is the possibility that the child personality basically gets locked in at that age and they don't proceed to grow or proceed to develop because that's when the altars step in so you can have the littles as they were called and we talked about that in reference to sad ball shalon but this question of like who is the real shalon and when is the og shalon going to come back it's a i think the normal question but b maybe not going to ever be resolved yeah. because the answer could be for Shalon that it is the system, either the three or whatever word we want to use for the system. I think that could actually be the end result of Shalon's arc, that it's not about a perfect fusing back together into one person yeah. yeah but instead the recognition that there is the system that makes up shalon devar and i think we get hints towards that in rhythm of war with pattern kind of apologizing for like pushing her mm-hmm. and trying to force her altars to like not exist when yeah. as kaylee said they all like serve a purpose they're doing a function that is important and like helps shalon function in the world i love this interview thank you so much to kaylee from the ivory system who was willing to speak with us thank you all for listening and if you have thoughts comments or questions feel free to reach out to us we are everywhere as normal brooke can you take us away until next time life before death strength before weakness journey before destination 